HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the Dairy Farm Families of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheese that win more awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit eatwisconsincheese.com. This is Mike Edison, host of Art Senses of Seizures. You're listening to the Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, please visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello and welcome to another episode of Cutting the Curd, broadcasting live from Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn, on the Heritage Radio Network. This is Greg Blaze, and today I'm here with my friend and cheesy counterpart Adam Moskowitz, who's the owner-operator of Larkin Cold Storage. He's the founder and the head honcho of the Cheesemonger Invitational, creator of the Barnyard Collective, and part-time stuntman. Is that correct? Uh, no, 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 not, not at all. I'm, 40, I'm 41 years old. I try to do as little activity as possible. Well, well, it's always great to see you and to have you here in Cutting the Curd, Adam. And uh, so how are you and how are your holidays? Good? Oh, yeah, man. Holidays were awesome. Q4, best Q4 ever. 2015 rocked. I love it. Uh, today we'll be speaking with Mr. Moskowitz about a few pertinent issues that continue to be pervasive in our industry. We'll recap his holiday experience more so than what he just said and shoot the bull about the upcoming chief. Cheesemonger Invitational in San Francisco, which begins next weekend. So, Adam, thanks again for your time. A lovely, love, love to see you. you know? Moo, 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 moo. <laughs> moo, moo, moo. <laughs> nice, nice. Moo, moo, moo. <laughs> so, um, I wanted to start you off some questions, you know, about, you know, right in your wheelhouse there. Uh, how is your season in, in terms of your holiday season in terms of being able to quickly move cheese through your warehouse over in uh, Long Island City and to your customers? Did you have a, a lot of FDA holds? Did you have a few? And uh, why do you think this is or isn't? Great question. Well, first, let me explain. Larkin Cold Storage is a U.S. customs facility. Uh, we clear customs and FDA in the building, and we handled over 6 million pounds of imported French cheese last year. Uh, what I could tell you is that it was actually, in the eight years of me working at Larkin, the easiest 
Q4 in relation to FDA holds that I've experienced thus far. Uh, I want to stress something here. Uh, To anybody who's listening, please stop bashing FDA. FDA is not trying to take your cheese away from you. Um, In fact, what I could tell you is that after the raw milk pilot program, which was a very tedious, tedious experience, I'm pleased to report that really FDA left us all alone this past Q4. And it was it was it was all all the better for all of us. That's fantastic, man. And um, I mean, there's a lot of FDA bashing that just goes on. You know, I think people yeah, I, I it's like the boogeyman. Yeah, you know, people think it's the boogeyman. I mean, I I'm totally guilty of it, but I've been guilty of it for a long, long time. Why? Um, I don't know because I mean, it's probably has less to do like for in my in my experience and from my part less to do with what I actually do for a living and just more to do with my distrust in general for the government. I guess probably, and I'm just being honest. You know, no, I think I think I think that is a very fair statement, and I I myself have that distrust as well. I just I just think it from an industry point of view. I it doesn't make a lot of sense. It, it just well. Here's the thing. I think. I think, in general, there's a lot of knee jerk couch Facebookers that aren't actually reading or researching whatever issues at hand, um, and and instead are just commenting emotionally. I agree with that. And and what concerns me is that. Um, misinformation that that I feel that if people start actually like for example if you simply google import alert cheese you'll learn from FDA what exactly is not allowed in the country right now and what you'll find out excuse me is that there's actually not that much stuff not being allowed into the country so I mean is there is there any wiggle room in between bashing the FDA and being wary and being vigilant and requiring transparency from the government? Because that's just something that bothers me in general. It seems to be in my world that there's less and less transparency. There's less and less explanation for why things are done. Yeah, but I think I think there. I mean, we could talk methodology, um, and and to take a specific issue. Let's take a specific issue: the non-toxic E. coli. Right. That's point. our thing. Okay, here. so that's so that's the thing. So let's let's break that down for a second. First of all, um, unless we figure out how to change that word, right? E. coli, non toxic E. coli, right. non toxic E. coli. Unless we change that word, there's no administrator anywhere with any bit of responsibility that's going to be cool with that word. Yeah, it's just red flag. It's just a red flag so we word. We call it like Jim's bacteria or like Tony's bacteria. I, or, just, or just microflora. Oh, there's or, a good one. You know, call it, if it had a different name, it would be a different dialogue. But it has the name non-toxic E. coli. So there right there is a red flag. Now, there's a lot of concern about um, the MPN per G, right? Um, and they moved it to 10 which is a dramatic change. From one, right? No, they moved Over. it from 1,000 to 10. Right. Okay, which was very dramatic. And, and for raw milk cheesemakers, I totally understand how that is cause for concern. I'm not going to speak to that because I'll just speak to what I see and know. What I see and know is that during the raw milk pilot program, every single cheese with raw milk was 
tested a ridiculous amount of time. And let me define ridiculous. If a cheese is in fact not allowed in the country, it's put on what's called AD, automatic detention. When a cheese is on AD, to get off of AD, you must have five shipments in a row tested by a third-party lab. And if you have five in a row, then you're cleared from AD. For the raw milk pilot program, cheeses were sampled way more than five times. And it was very, very frustrating. And I personally was um, pooping a ton of bricks. Right. Because like Hollerhocker, for example, was sampled 12 times. And these are your bread and butter. It My sounds, bread and butter. It sounds like PED testing in baseball. It's like, re- like you know what I mean? Like there's the mandatory and then it becomes very random and very, you know. Very extreme. Yeah. And it was extremely dis- – and it was very disconcerting as an importer. But we made it through. And my point is that as it relates to non-toxic E. coli, the majority have fall into compliance. That for some reason, everybody wants to talk about Roquefort. And oh my God, we can't have Roquefort in the country because it doesn't meet the criteria of non-toxic E. coli anymore. Well, guess what, guys? That's not true. In fact, there's multiple producers of Roquefort that have been able to get their cheese to conform to the new standard of non-toxic E. coli. Who are those guys? I Google it. I don't, I don't, I'm not, gonna, I'm not here to, to list those names. Okay. You can simply Google import alert Roquefort. You'll see, you'll see who's not allowed. Right. Um, um, who is allowed? I'd have to look because I know it's coming in because I see it coming in. I haven't studied the actual producers. I guess that's what I mean. It comes through. It comes through. I see it. Yeah. Roquefort's in the country. Roquefort's in the country. Um, But there's still people saying, oh, the FDA, they're taking away my Roquefort. Oh, the FDA, they're taking away my cheese. Oh, the FDA is trying to ban raw milk. Uh, No, they're not. No, they're not. No, they're not. No, they're not. They're, they're, they're simply doing their job. Now, am I trying to be pro-FDA? Nope. Please don't confuse that. I am not pro-FDA. What I am is pro-information Informa- being correct. Correct. And I'm into the right organizations, such as the Cheese Importers Association and or the ACS. It's their responsibility to interact with that agency and be succinct, specific, and on point with their research to accomplish the task at hand. That's all. And that that simply running to Facebook and saying, damn you, FDA, I just, I see it so much and I just don't understand why. So your gripes with social media and armchair quarterbacks. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes, sir. That is my gripe. (laughs) I mean, I mean, I know. I mean, it's. Word word travels quickly. I mean, I I, I understand what you mean by that. Um, it's it's tough. It's tough to sort out Which tons is- and tons of just information. And anybody can post on Facebook anything they want, obviously. So you know, it's it's going to be out there. Does that? Do you think? I think. Uh, well, what I think is the the trick is to the trick is to um, be succinct in our message. What I what I come to is like industry s- self regulation. Right. Like and it's a lot of what I've been talking about um, for the last couple of years, which is, you know, like don't in, don't import contraband cheese because right now we're under we're under scrutiny. Yeah, You said that uh, the last time you were on, you were like, get your paperwork and your shit in order and don't fuck around. Correct. And let the organizations with power, let the organizations with the the the, the what I'll call, let's say the resources behind them, Cheese Importers Association, ACS, let them do their job, which is be the voice for us. So, but do you think, is this, and it just, just straight up, is this a more of a personal problem you have with people posting things they don't know what's about, or do you think that this has potential da- potentially damaging effects? Do you think the, there's, a, there's a reaction I, for the, from the FDA where people, people 
you know, say things ab- about them that they're going to tighten their grip, or are you just annoyed by it? I am definitely concerned that if we have too many people crying foul without actually knowing what they're crying about, the noise will be noise, the noise will be heard, and it causes questions, right? Do I, do I think FDA is watching us on Facebook? Maybe. I actually, right. you know what? I maybe. guess that's my question. Ma- maybe. Maybe. Do, we, live in, we live in a time now where, where, where terrorism is a real thing. Homeland security is a real thing. Biological warfare is a real thing. Safety, consumer safety is a real thing. And yes, I am concerned that by people screaming, damn you, FDA, it is potentially, to me, it looks like we're guilty. It looks like, like, like what? We're are, guilty of trying to slip things through that yeah, aren't food safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, here's, yeah. My, here's my thing, and, I, and, then, and maybe you can op- opine this. Like, as a, as a, an old schooler, as a person who I brought a lot of cheese in the com- country for a, for a lot of years, yep. um, I see it going a certain way. Um, and, what and, do you mean? You see well, it going a certain way? Well, uh, when, how's it going? Let's say in 1996-1997, you wanted to bring in some cheese. You wanted to bring in some raw milk cheese. It really wasn't a big deal. I, you know what I mean? It was. It was the the way you got cheeses into into the country was different. The way that the uh, the FDA brought there was a in lot less scrutiny before right. the food safety modernization. Right. Act. So you After have the, that, and now, which is a good thing. That's a good thing. Qualification and quantification is a good thing. Regulation is a good thing. Keeping people safe is a good thing. Like, oh, okay. But at what Let's, point does it tip over to, to where you have to watch out to make sure that, say, like, I don't know, an industry that has a lot of money behind it uses those acts, you know, to further their own ends? I would welcome a discussion about how powerful is the dairy lobby and how much of an impact do they have on raw milk. If we want to have a discussion about how I think the, the, the perception of raw milk as it's personified by FDA, I think is strange. Okay, if you go to FDA's website, they talk about raw milk as if it's dangerous. Right, that bothers me, and I'm with you on that. My, I don't understand why why it's a big. That's what I'm. That's what I, I'm, I'm saying. with you. I'm with you. Either do I, especially when faulty pasteurization is deadly. That's, kills more. That's deadly stuff. <laughs> right? I couldn't agree more. But the challenge is are we trying to are we are we correlating that with FDA's actions? Are we are we stating that we think FDA is being paid off by big dairy? I can't go there. I don't I I am not I'm not going to put big dairy in the same way as I big I, I, dairy. I, I I put NRA. And and it, and if that is the case, well then that's the situation. See, that's the thing, right? It's not about commenting. It's about what are we doing about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Right? See, that's my thing. Like, I, everybody wants to have a comment. Great. It's freedom of speech. Go ahead. But there's, it's, it's a unique moment right now, and I think we all have to cross our T's and dot our I's. I agree with and that. I, and I think, I think if you look at where the issues have been, right, it's very easy for people to be like, oh, poor cheesemaker. Why the FDA came with – like, I, well, that cheesemaker was probably dirty. Right. That like the whole take the wooden board issue, that wooden board issue came about because that producer was filled with pathogen. That producer was unsanitary. Did the fallout become, well, what about wood boards? And did that get what? bigger? I, right. I mean, it, it did. Are but you sure of that? I mean, that, that's what. Well, that's uh, from the reading that I've done. OK. From the reading that I've done, that person was unsanitary. OK. 
Now, the FDA person then tried to interpret and state, well, it's the wood board's fault, which caused an uproar. The right people sent the right message and FDA backtracked. And that's my point. My point is, is that there's people, there's companies, there's organizations that they are responsible for the fight. And that anything other than that is noise, and noise is dangerous. Well, I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an advocate of freedom of speech. And, Me too. And I'm an advocate if, if you know if if you know what you're what you're talking about, then you should talk. You know, um, wh- whether whether or not you're a member of those organizations or not. I mean, I, I would I wouldn't argue completely with what you said. But I mean, it's it's on. It's on the cheesemakers to be clean. It's on the retailers to be clean. It's on the people to have the right documents for, for, all of their, for all of their items. And then it's on all of those same people to make sure that people who operate as scientists in a vacuum that don't probably understand the processes that create cheese mm-hmm. are also held accountable, I would think. And I, I, I mean – Yeah, I mean I, I, I would l- – now we're talking methodology, and I'm not a biologist, and I'm not a cheesemaker. Um, I do believe, but you know what cheeses are made. You know how cheeses yeah, are made. No, you I know do. what I'm talking about. No, I do. I just again say that it's the responsibility of of the the power parties, the part, the party, right. the, the groups with power. It's their. Like, it's time to be succinct in our voice. It's time to be together with our voice. It's well, time that's, to be. That's it's, true. It's time to be clear with our voice. That if we're going to talk about methodology and FDA's methodology, then then you you look at like you look at like what Matteo did, which he's he's the man, right? That the guys up in Vermont they they went and they met with their legislators and they they got words on paper and they got signatures of politicians and they did the work and that's the point. We're, we're busy right now. There are real people doing the real work to protect it. And I'm all I'm saying is that the people that are just out there on Facebook that that aren't doing the work, they're just they're. they're critiquing they're commenting well just just keep your mouth shut for right now that's all and, and again maybe i'm being a little bit too aggressive here but just like just w- w- just what are you talking about like we're, we're working on it right now like it's being worked on and we're making progress right like that's the thing like oh fda is trying to take our cheese oh well no actually dude q4 was fantastic and we had very little sampling so fda is not trying to take our cheese actually fda left us alone so we could do our business and the point i'm making is that if we all just keep our voices quiet and let the right people be our voices and make sure that we're saying the things that are the right things for our industry, then we'll continue to progress positively moving forward. And the last thing we need right now is a bunch of people simply screaming, ah, damn you, FDA. It's okay for the French. Why isn't it okay for me? That's not an argument. Okay, that's my point. Like this whole argument of like, well, it's been like this for thousands of years. So why is it bad now? Like that. That's not an argument, dude. Like that's not an argument. No, amen. I I agree with that. You know, and I think that what you've got to uh, what you've got to understand, not you, but what us understand is uh, everybody wants everybody wants to talk to hear their own voice a lot of the times. You know what I mean? And now we have social media. Look, I'll give you I'll give you a non cheese related example. A lot of people thought that Obama's executive order was trying to take their guns away. And it's like, well, actually, if you listened and or read the order, you'd find out that that's actually not the case at all. Yeah, well, who's got time to read it these days? Well, that's my- <laughs> exactly. All right. We're going to have to go to a break, but we'll be right back with Adam Moskowitz to talk about more cheesy stuff. Woo!
patience, enough time for waiting. I love that last, it's love so contagious. I want it bad, so bad, my heart's aching. My mind stay clear, my heart's racing. Just wait. The Dairy Farm families of Wisconsin and the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board are proud to underwrite Cutting the Curd on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Wisconsin cheeses have an illustrious heritage of more than 170 years of quality and craftsmanship. During this long and rich history, the art and science of cheesemaking have been captured in time-honored traditions that produce cheese varieties of unsurpassed excellence. Today, Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheeses that win more awards than any other state or country. To learn more, visit www.eatwisconsincheese.com. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we were talking before the break about the FDA and uh, other assorted Moskowitz-related topics, but mostly the FDA. <laughs> In the second half of our show, we're going to talk a bit about Adam's bi-yearly competition, the Cheesemonger Invitational. Uh, this year's West Coast Soiree will be taking place over three days from the 16th to the 19th of January in San Francisco at the Public Works on Erie Street. Um, I also want to talk with Adam a bit about his newest endeavor, which is the Barnyard Collective, and really cool. Cool. So, CMI 2016. Big stuff this year, dude. Big What's stuff. going on? Is it different? Is it same? Is there a swimsuit competition this year? No way, dude. Okay, so first of all, first of all, I get it. Some people think it's just a party. Some people think I'm a crazy dude in a cow costume. I'm glad you all think that, but that's not really the case. CMI is a community-based endeavor to strengthen, inspire, and solidify what it means to be a cheesemonger. I'm hell-bent on shining a spotlight on being a cheesemonger, choosing a career in cheese, and caring for cheese the way I do. Cheesemonger Invitational coming in 2016, we decided to make it harder. How so? Well, you know, I wanted to, well, so I'll just tell you what we did. So for the preliminary competition, we added a round called Perfect Plate. And what's going to happen is, is the cheese monitor is going to show up, and the first thing they're going to do is at their station is going to be a quarter pound of cheese previously selected for them that they know about, as well as a piece of slate. And they're asked to bring any pairing element they want and to compose a cheese plate with that one cheese. As if I went to a restaurant and ordered one cheese. Like a la carte off a menu. Exactly. It's like it's, it's a basically serving one cheese. You could put anything you want on the plate. It could be bread. It could be nuts. It could be honey. It could be whatever you want. That's cool. It, it just has to be a composed cheese plate. And they're being judged on composition, creativity, pairing, and they also have to bring a sign. So that it's a little bit of a merchandising element. Um, then we do the written exam. Then then we do the uh, blind taste test. Then we go into the technical round of the competition, which is cut a quarter pound and wrap two pieces of cheese. We brought in a new element to technical, which is saran wrap a half a wheel of cheese. Oh, uh, that's cool. Yep. Got a lot of feedback. People really want to see that saran wrap. That's, so. that's a big fucking thing, man. I mean, I, I mean, I cannot. Like, if I go into cheese shops and there's like... Like, I, I don't understand, like, how people... Bad rap cheese? Yeah, dude. Uh, I, dude. It just makes me want to kill people Oh, my time. God. Dude, me too. Don't even get me started, bro. So, yeah. So, Saran Wrap's in. Um, then we go to the salesmanship round. I changed salesmanship. For years, we were doing it as a mock counter, and we were creating, like, a fake, yeah. like, sales experience, and I just didn't feel like it was authentic enough. So, what we're doing this year is it's now, like, a like a demo station. It's like a like a sample station. Sure. So, like, there'll be six... You're going to hawk your wares out to whoever comes up, right? Right. So, there'll be six 
cheeses. That's All cool. of them will be pre-cut. And the cheesemonger's job is to simply sample the cheese to the judges. And they're going to be graded on knowledge, charisma, and thoroughness. Um, and so it's just a much simpler, cleaner experience. And it's, that's really authentic. I mean, because you get... The style of the cheese shop will determine the style of the monger. I mean, you get some people will be super economical with their language. Some people will be a little bit more flowery, but in the end, you'll be able to you'll be able to know whether or not they got the goods. You know, right? The the goal is to simply see how well a cheesemonger can comfortably talk about cheese and try to urge you to buy cheese because we're in the cheese business, guys. Business. Oh no, yes. So we, we got to sell cheese. <laughs> so then we do the perfect bite. We we've there's more bites to be created. So we're up to 150 bites because we keep running out too fast. Um, but that basically stayed the same. Um, um, then moving into the finals round of the competition, we took uh, on the first round it was introduction sign. We took the uh, we took the power out of the sign and and put the power into charisma. We feel like this is this is your chance as a cheesemonger to really celebrate your favorite cheese and we, we go big or go home. Um, then the second round of the finals is a trivia round. So the hardest questions trivia, yeah, dude, I'm so excited about this. So for the the hardest questions for the written exam, we segregated out. And the mongers in the finals are going to have a whiteboard, and I'm going to ask questions live, and they're going to have to answer the questions live. And so it's like crowd interaction. I really don't know what's going to happen here. I'm just super excited. It's like an old school, like uh, old school game show vibe. That's awesome. I would. I'm, I'm really happy that um, I, I would fail all of these things. I yeah, well, would. I, would, I, would <laughs> I don't know. I just. I, I, dis- I disagree. Well, let me. Let me. Get, I'm going to address that in a second. Um, and then. And then we added another round to the finals, which is. Uh, sales scenario round oh, cool. where I've, I've, we've written six different simple sales scenarios. Like imagine the easiest way I could describe it is it's the first moment between consumer and monger where the monger, imagine a monger says, how can I help you? The consumer says something um, and then there's a dialogue, a few questions, two to three questions, and then you sample, right? So we're trying to highlight those few mo- those that immediate That's a moment. Key moment. It's a key moment. And what we're looking for is we're trying to see how well they listen, how good of questions they ask, and then they can recommend any cheese they want. The world is their case. So they're going to be graded on um, how good they ask questions and then what their recommendation is. That's fantastic. Yeah, dude. And then then we do technical round in the finals. Um, cut, wrap, and then saran wrap is also going to be in the finals. Um, and then we do pair from thin air. We change that a little bit as well. No more like running out into the crowd and potentially getting hurt. What's going to happen is there's going to be a table of cheese, there's going to be three beers, and then there's going to be ten food items. And the monger's going to come up, pick a food item out of the hat, which will be their food item, and from that food item, they could pick a cheese and any beer, and then they have to compose a pairing based on that, which they then explain to the audience. That's awesome. So you got some uh, you got some perfect bites um, already. Uh, like uh, I do. You guys, yeah. you want to? Do you want to? Should we? Tell you some perfect bites. I would like that. I, I think perfect I bite is awesome. Um, it's a, uh, it's just the way I munch on cheese a lot behind my own counter. So let me have it. All right, I can't. My the, the I gotta. It's, the lighting's not that good in here. Um, so we got one of my one of my favorite ones is. Uh, ooh, ooh, this is. Can you read this? Thank you. We got. Uh, we got. Ooh, we got Red Hawk apple corn and bacon muffin with mascarpone chai frosting. That's pretty interesting. That's uh, that's coming from uh, Valdemar. Wal- Waldi. Waldi. I didn't pick that by accident. I'm just picking what I like. Uh, we got <laughs> ooh, we got Marin French Supreme Brie Mexican Bonellos uh, fried tortillas to- uh, coated with 
cinnamon sugar mix, spicy dark chocolate bark, and candied orange peel. <laughs> That's coming from Noreen. Uh, we got uh, we got uh, Comte Del Page 15 month nestled in a homemade walnut thumbprint cookie and lovingly topped with Jam Nation's Rose to the Grindstone Arctic Star Nectarine and Rose Essence Jam. Oh my goodness, that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. I love that's, thumbprint cookies. <laughs> that's, Rose, that's Rose Owens. We got, ooh, ooh, here's one. Uh, we got uh, Kate Clavy. We got uh, Wild Mushroom Shortbreads topped with Nettle Meadow Kunick and Wild Mushroom Infused Ganache. Holy cow, Wild Mushroom Infused Ganache. What... What is that? That's some damn good ganache. <laughs> that's, some, that's some crazy ganache. <laughs> All right. Yo, everybody, everybody really, really wants to know about Lila Spencer. God bless you, girl. I'm so proud of you. I can't wait to see what you do. Should I tell them what she's doing? Yeah, you better. All right, fine. So she got uh, – this is for you, Claire Bear. Claire Bear's dying to know this. Claire Bear. Claire Bear, this is for you. She's got, she's got brow bender, and she's going to be pairing that with savory caramel, pine nuts, and Vietnamese iced coffee glaze. Ooh, Ooh I like that. I like, ice, I like me some iced coffee glaze. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you guys want to hear some more? What do you think? <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's uh, you know. One more, one more, yeah, one, yeah, more yeah. one more. Yeah, yeah. All right, Mike Shipman of the Mars Cheese Castle. He's doing uh, Holler Hocker with chili peanut sauce, crushed candied peanuts, and a sliver of sweet drop pepper. Oh, nice. That sounds nice. Yeah. I'm very excited. That's, um, I mean, um, I love the Perfect Bites. I think Perfect Bites are really cool. They're like born out or in in my – just in my thought. You know, when you're at your cheesemonger, you're at the cheese case. You know what I mean? I'm always like stealing various jars of things from all around me in the store. You know what I mean? Like just uh, – it's the best. Like, well, it's, that's – It's such I, an honest expression for – Well, that's what it means to be a great cheesemonger. You're yeah. like always – a student of your shop. I think so. And like you should always, to be a great cheesemonger, I think you should always be exploring what pairs well and why. Because if you can't help, uh, if you don't know what pairs well and why, how can you help your consumer know that? Not very well. <laughs> right. I mean, it's not just about, I mean, look, a great cheesemonger could simply be someone who's passionate about cheese and who makes a customer happy with what they take home with them. And that's that to me is baseline awesome. But if you could get your cheesemonger skills to a point where you can actually help people cook with cheese, you could help people pair with libation, then all of a sudden you're not just a a para, a messiah, uh, uh, an educator of cheese, but you're like an educator of wine and you're an educator of beer and you're an educator of grocery. And then more importantly, as a cheesemonger, your job is to sell your salesman. So the yeah. more you could sell, the more you could sell your shop, the better you're doing, the better you're doing. I think it's cool, Ben, something that I that it took me a minute um, to realize about the CMI, which I think is amazing, is that um, it highlights actual cheesemongering skills. Ah. Um, and, uh, and to me, that's, that's important um, as a man who, who is a cheesemonger and who has other cheesemongers work with them. And sometimes, you know, you help them be better cheesemongers, you know. That's the stuff um, that 
will make them will make that makes me a better cheesemonger all the time. It's just that experience and that work, and I like that CMI really highlights that. Yeah, I mean, well, that's so. What I'm trying to be, what I hope CMI is, is the, the like practical addendum. To, yeah. Uh, let's say CCP. Sure. Like, like I, all respect to those that are CCP. God bless you. I'm really proud of you. I think it's awesome. But I also will admit that I'm a little concerned that I grew up in an industry where it was about apprenticeship. It was about stage. Same here. It was really about like going to Neil's yard for two weeks and going to Formaggio Kitchen for two. It was really about going to Zinger. It was really about going to work with the greats. Okay. And I get that. Not everybody could do that. But I think it's really important for everybody to know that taking a test and passing it does not make you a great cheesemonger. It, I mean, it does. I'm, dude, no arguing that. You you are you are you are a great cheesemonger if you do justice to the cheese and to the consumer. Sure, that's it. Does the CCP possibly qualify you to do that better? You bet. And again, I'm not trying to pee poo. I'm not trying to poo poo CCP. What I'm trying to highlight is there's a lot of people that can't afford to take the test. That is true. Okay, there's a lot of cheese shop owners that I know personally that prefer to not hire CCP. And so I'm just trying to highlight. Why do you think that is? Because um, I think I mean they're traditionalists. And I think they, they, you know, I don't want to speak for them. I'll just make an assumption that they believe that experience trumps all. And that I'm a little concerned that, again, I'm very proud of everybody that's taken CCP. I think it's a great thing for our industry. But I just think there, I, I wish there was a practical element. There isn't. Well, there is. It's called CMI, and that's what I hope to. That's what I'm hoping to accomplish here, and that's why, like, well, let's 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 move on to what the barnyard is. So the barnyard. Yeah, it, let's talk about about that. That's your that's your newer endeavor, the Barnyard Collective, which is really cool. That goes down over at Larkin Cold Storage in Long Island City. Yeah. So. Because I don't have enough jobs. No, um, you don't. I don't. Uh, by the way, you left out Columbia Cheese. I also am the owner of Columbia Cheese. Um, Adam Moskowitz, also the owner, owner of, of Columbia, Columbia Cheese. Yeah, Cheese. so um, Barnyard. So what I've done with the Barnyard is I basically built a chalet in my warehouse. And the focus of the chalet is to pardon me for sounding a – I don't know how this is going to come off, but I'm going to say it. I'm trying to educate the educators. Oh, really? I'm trying to inspire the people that have – knowledge, power, and ability. I'm trying to build a community for cheese professionals where we are challenging ourselves to better understand our product and the products that are related to it. Um, We've been doing amazing workshops with uh, champagne, beer, wine. We've already had some great speakers like Max and Montserrat. Um, I'm very, very focused. In 2016, I'm very focused on trying to evolve past flavor profile, which is simply taste plus aroma, and move into a dialogue of sensory profile and getting people to talk about how it feels on their fingers, on their teeth. Something that you and I talked about before, uh, not here, that I think it would be cool just as an idea is, um, is the idea of, um, of memory and, uh, and, and flavor, memory. And, and Also helping people connect to their limbic system. Uh, yeah, which I really think is a neat part of cheese. That, that That's one of the reasons why I think I became a cheesemonger subconsciously is that. I feel like the barnyard would be like a great place to get into that. Sort well, of that's thing. exactly right. So like that's, I'm trying to help us 
including myself, get more depth, even get, more depth. Just get deeper into simply being able to connect ourselves and others to our limbic system, which connects ourselves to our memory system, which then allows to translate back to what am I tasting, what am I feeling, what am I experiencing. It's a pretty awesome thing, man. So, well, so the, the cool thing, so 2016, so I've had a couple of really amazing speakers in 2015. In 2016, we've got lined up, and I haven't announced the dates yet because we're still working out the details, but in 2016, I'm going to have, drum roll please, <laughs> we're going to have Paul Kinstead. Come. Oh, so we're focusing. I'm focusing on a lecture series this year. We're going to have Paul Kinstead. We're in discussions with Paul. We're in discussions with Catherine Donnelly. We're in discussions with Sandor Katz because I think fermentation is an important dialogue in our business. I love his books. Oh, the best. Um, and we're going to have Montserrat come back um, and do more sensory workshop with us. And then also Heather Paxson is going to come and speak as well to talk about the anthropology of cheese. That's fucking great. It's amazing. Yeah, dude, you know what it is? I just – I – Love cheese, but more importantly, I love our community. I love our industry. When I, when I might scare people or turn people off or say the wrong thing, I don't mean to do that. I'm just really passionate about our industry, and I'm just really concerned that we are constantly putting the right foot forward. I don't, I don't think – I think anybody that really knows you knows what you're all about. So I don't think you. I mean, and and if they if they're put off by you, then that's their problem. But I have another question for you in result in in relation to that. Okay. You know? And just um, when you think back, like so, you know, and, and I often think of why I do this, and you know, and uh, why why I'm a cheesemonger, why I'm involved in this. Steve, you, you know, you're an important guy. I think that what it is is that you know a lot. You you are yourself, and you and you speak um, passionately and loudly about the things you believe in. But did you ever, do you ever take pause? No, like, but a lot of people hear what you say. You know, what I mean, you're in, a, you know, and, and I don't. I, uh, that's. Uh, do you think about that no. when you when you say it? You no. know what I mean? I mean, uh, nope, nope, and, nope, nope. And nope. when you got into this, I mean, well, actually, no. It depends. It depends on who. Depends on who. Like I had, like there was a specific incident that I had earlier this year with a specific individual um, where I was really, really, really hard on him. Um, I'm not going to get into the details, but my point of my issue was a weak point of view. I have a strong point of view, right? And I welcome a strong point of view, and I think you have a strong point of view, and that's why I appreciate the dialogue. I. When I'm talking, I, I, am, I have a point of view. So I'm not necessarily thinking about how people are receiving it. I'm thinking about what's my point of view. I want to have a clear point of view, and I want everybody else around me to have a clear point of view. Right. It was it's similar to what we were talking about before with the FDA. Like if you if you don't like FDA, that's fine. But just be very clear about why. Like what's your point of view to just simply say I don't like government organizations. That's not a clear enough point of view for me. I want I want I want. What is that saying that Emerson's saying? uh, uh, Foolish consistencies are the are the hobgoblin of simple minds or something (laughs) like that. I love it. Is that we're talking about? Yeah, I I just just (laughs) have a point of view. Have a point of view right. as, it, as it relates to how I land on people. My simple point to that is: although I refuse to work out, I like being overweight and have a high cholesterol. <laughs> um, I, I consider life a marathon, and when you're running a marathon, the, the the ones that run the best marathon are the ones that are thinking about their race and how they want to run their race. I'm not thinking about what people are in back of me or in front of me or, or doing or running. I just am trying to run my race, and I'm commenting on what I see. Right on, man. Well. 
I want to say thanks a lot, as always, for your insightful and lively dialogue. Love to have you on here. And, uh, you know, um, get get involved. Get involved. Do some reading. Read about the FDA. Get involved the CMI. And uh, most importantly, stay tuned to the Heritage Radio Network next week for more Cutting the Curve. Choose my locations not sold out. Still tickets left. Go get some. Holla. <laughs> Ciao. listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 non-profit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. 